My name's Colin. We're going to um, have a little bit of a message, um, roll on to do communion and have some sung worship after that. I imagine we'll take up some kind of offering during that because I don't think we've scheduled that. Um, I've spent the last couple of days, two or three days in Auckland. Um, uh, I'm auditing a course, uh, kind of university level course about Baptist churches. And one of the markers of the early Baptist churches was that they were committed to reading through Scripture in community. So that's reading Scripture, reading the Bible together. And actually, the very first Baptist churches, they'd, they'd sort of do that. And then someone would get up and speak for half an hour or sometimes an hour and a half. And then, they'd, um, then someone else would get up and speak from the same passage. And they would keep this on because they wanted to understand in community what was going on. They wanted to interpret it on the ground. Um, and it's, a, it's all right. I'm, I'm not going to make us do that right now. Okay, but, but we are going to read the Bible together, so if you have one handy, um, and there will be stuff that come up on the screen, uh, would you like to open it up to Luke chapter 5? What we've been looking at is how Jesus, he gets up, when he, at the start of his ministry, he gets up in a synagogue and says some really brave things about what he thinks he's here for, about setting prisoners free, about it being him being about the Lord's favor, that's being his message. And, and last week we looked at an individual who came to Jesus, uh, a man who with a skin condition that left him isolated alone and what happened. And this week, it's going to be a bit more communal in terms of what happened. So I thought we'd approach the passage with a little bit of fun. Um, I'll, I'll read a bit, and, and it, it might be, I think we have a little bit of a drama coming. So um, let me just um, pray, and then, well, God, we pray that as we read stories of what you did on this earth, they wouldn't just be history lessons back there, but we would see what you are doing now. Um, we, all of us, want to know how to live and live well. We want, um, so we invite your spirit to work amongst us and help us see how to live your ways. Amen. So one day, Jesus was teaching the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Was si I got that wrong. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Honestly, I feel fine. Well, you look like a funny colour to me. What? Look, of course you don't feel fine. You haven't walked in 23 years. Well, that's true, but... I mean, just look at his eyes and feel that temperature. What do you mean? Oh, listen, please, will you just put me down? I, okay, I don't want to go. Stop it. Let me go. Help me. Help. I'm being forced into this. No, you are not. You are being dentist. Now, be quiet. It's for your own good. Of course you want to see Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't? Me! Oh, stop complaining. <laughs> this, this crowd's far too big. We'll, we we'll never get him in. Oh, watch out, watch out. What? Oh, dear. What a shame. I was so looking forward to it. Eh, can't win them all. Hey, what are you planning now? Uh, the Louvre. The Louvre? The Louvre. Good idea. What do you mean, good idea? It's an extremely dangerous, dangerous idea. Well, I mean, if we just get rid of that tile and that beam. Okay, thing. now listen. Who's going to pay for the damage? We will all pay. We all pay. Who asked you? Agreed, we'll all pay. 
I won't. Then we will. You're mad. And you're going to be healed. I might not want to be. <sighs> Come on then, you win. Let's go, yeah. guys. Yeah. Well, What did Jesus say? Oh, he said his sins are forgiven. But can he say that? We are about to find out. Now, Ruth, you said he was going to be healed, not forgiven. Don't blame me. I know he'd be sinning, did I? Oh, wait a minute. Let's all be cool. Does that mean he's going to heal him? Hey, Dick, he's gone. And where's Jesus? What? He, he, he healed him and just disappears? Oh, you what are you doing? We're looking for her. Oh, it's, wow, it's you. Oh, he healed. We missed it. Amazing, amazing. Praise God. A miracle. amazing thank you thank you Uh, thank you. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood in front of them. Sorry, immediately he stood in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave sorry, gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Now, I have a slight technical problem here. So, Blair, can I, you do me a favor? Can you come and sit up here? And when I ask you to, can you press the space bar? <laughs> Now's good, and I will flounder a little bit, but um, it's worth having a go. So, there are, last week, there was one person who approaches Jesus, and this week, there's a community. And there's a few people in the story. There are these Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are not. We often think of them as religious authorities, but actually, they're a power group. They believed if we could just be more religious, if we could just follow the rules more passionately, all in, then it, everything would come right. That would, in fact, they kind of thought if they did this well enough, then the Messiah would come. And so they're the ones who are sticklers for let's do the um, Sabbath and the rules. And they're the ones who have got in their head this clear temp template of it works this way. Yep, if you do it this way, then this is what happens from God. You can't fault them in that they do genuinely want God to encounter people. They want that. But like all of us, they think they're right. And one of the interesting things in this story is when Jesus, he starts, why doesn't he just heal the guy? I mean, that would be simple. He is deliberately stirring. By saying your sins are forgiven, a function of God, not of people, he's actually getting the, you know, the big stirring pot in and going, have a look at this then. Because <sighs> they kind of figured. Um, and we think this too. I mean, I actually think, I, I reckon I'm never that far away from being a Pharisee. Because we're always trying to systematize what God is like. If you do this, this will happen. And that's part of life, isn't it? You walk along through life and you see, oh, what's something simple? that uh, If you smoke, your chances of getting can lung cancer are higher. And so we start to think, oh, they got con uh, so we go a step further. Someone starts to, says they've got lung cancer and we say, oh, do you smoke? So we kind of go backwards from the result, and we figure this bad stuff happened because you did this. Yep, this is how we are. We are natural Pharisees. We get into that position of judgment incredibly easily. And they think they're right. And Jesus is, and, and back in that day, they figured if bad stuff had happened to you, somebody had sinned. So, paralyzed man, well, either he or his parents did something really bad. Basically, their karma ran over their dogma. That kind of sense of, you had it coming, it's your fault. That's how they thought. And Jesus, by starting off by, and going, your sins are forgiven, he is deliberately racking them up. He's taking a pot shot at something as held as a belief in the culture. Would you do the next one, please? And what we should have now is, uh, um, and then you have a paralyzed man and, we'll say, his mates. And what have they got? Well, this is different to the last week's person because he can't make his way to Jesus, can he? There's a bunch of things in the way. He can't move it himself. Um, 
Plus, we know there's a crowd to get through, and in fact, they have to take the roof to pieces. Now, in those days, probably most Jewish houses, um, the flat-roofed houses, they would kind of use sticks and then put a lot of mud on top, and you'd basically rebuild your roof every year. Okay, so when, when it dried out, you'd do this again and again and again. So um, to demolish a roof is not quite as bad as we think today. Okay, so, uh, but nonetheless, there's these things in the way, and the only way that they can bring their mate to Jesus is if they do it together. This isn't a solo act. No wheelchairs. That's a different thing to last week. And yeah, I quite like the drama that says, oh, I don't know if I want to go, because actually when you've got skin in the game, there's risk. What if it doesn't happen? I um, have had friends who have had quite nasty degenerative diseases that eventually have um, killed them. And one of their griefs in the Christian world is that people would drag them off the healing meetings. And they feel this incredible pressure to be well. And um, actually over time, they go, oh, nah, I don't want to go. Um, so it, it, it's a tricky one, but it's a community response. And then obviously there's a crowd. Thank you, Blair. And people who are there to spectate, there's always people who are here, there to spectate. And then there's Jesus. And to a large extent, you would hope, I wonder how I'm going to get on with this, um, you would hope that um, church, we would be people who want to bring people to Jesus. We'd be ones with our hands on the stretchers coming come this way. That's what we'd like to be as a community. That's what I'd like us to be as a community. There's a line where Jesus turns to them and he, it says he sees their faith. And I read a commentator who said, that's kind of confidence expressed in bringing something to Jesus. So next slide. Thank you, Blair. Appreciate this. Um, this commentator said, trusting that God can help through Jesus and doing all that is necessary to secure that help. I'd like us to be that. And it's the opposite of being passive. I can't do anything and it shows itself in action and it, it takes that which left me musing on what does that mean for us because we're going to go into communion um, but I just wanted to muse on that and I want to tell you a short story and then put some issues in front of you um, when I was in Invercargill uh, post the Christchurch earthquakes um, a lot of buildings around the country got shut down because they suddenly realised if you had an earthquake, they might collapse. And there was a men's hostel. It wasn't working. There was someone in the men's hostel who'd been there for 25 years. Um, and uh, they shut it down. And so all of a sudden, um, I'm working in a central city church. We have all these homeless people fronting up on our doors. Now, I don't know if you've had this, but um, one of the things someone who's homeless has is they have time. They don't mind spending a lot of time with you. In fact, many of them will think... If I spend enough time with you, you'll give me money, and I'll win. So they would front up, and we ran a little bit of a food bank and you know, stumbled away, and it was, didn't know what to do. I got, a few of us got talking together, people who were working in churches, and going, actually, this isn't okay. And in fact, we met, there was a guy there who was, I think he had the mental age of a, uh, maybe a 12-year-old. Uh, he wasn't ill enough to be classed as mentally ill, but... Because he had that kind of 12-year-old impulse control, he would get into a place and then just do the things a 12-year-old would do um, and get thrown out. And so he was you know, with a home and then thrown out and a campground and then thrown out and it just kind of went on. And we were going, we're not able to do anything about this. So 
It was my only experience of politics. Um, we decided we'd form a trust. We formed a, a thing called the Breathing Space Trust, and our goal was to try and house people for, um, we thought, three days. Three days and just see what space you're in and figure out the next step, see if we can help them with that. That was our theory. Never done this kind of stuff before. Uh, had no idea how to do it. So I formed the trust, and then the city council was going to, uh, was looking for submissions for their city plan, and we thought, oh, okay. So we went round the churches that we had, and we said, please, everybody write a submission about homelessness. Um, Two-thirds of the submission <laughs> in the city council's um, review were about homelessness, and they were going, what's this? Someone's politicking, and what are they about? And uh, when eventually we got to speak in front of them, you could see them kind of going, yeah, who the heck are you? What are you on about? Because you, know, you come out of nowhere and we don't know you. And, um, but once they figured out actually we were for real, because we were doing this in conjunction with the Salvation Army and you know, Baptist Church and that kind of stuff, they, uh, it was the oddest thing. Uh, I've never seen it before. Um, the press kept ringing up and saying, can we come and interview you? We want to print some more, because this is a good story. This is a good news story in our community, and we don't get that. We had businessmen, rotary, kind of saying, what can we do to raise funds? Um, because nobody wants to live in the place where people have to sleep in their cars in the middle of an Invercargill winter. We'd, we'd rather not do that. Actually, before I went, it got going. Um, yep, um, click to the next and we'll, we'll get there. But it wasn't something that we could do alone. It wasn't even something that as a church we could do alone. Right? And has it worked? Ah, oh, it all turned out differently. You know, you start these things. Um, and we're now take, they're now taking people for a bit more than a week because WINS isn't going to act in three days. Yep, it's a longer process. And the idea was, I still like the idea, you take someone in because many people are also homeless by the choices they make. And you kind of go, well, this is your next step. Do you want to make that step? And very often they don't. And that's all right, five days later, off they go. <laughs> um, and next time they come back, maybe they'll be ready. You build up relationship over time. I don't think it was all right for the, for the day. The point is, we were kind of trying to bring it to Jesus, but it took a bunch of us. So I've been thinking about what kind of things are like that for us. And while I was, before that, uh, a friend on Facebook posted something about the big issues he thought church we need to face up to. So I'd like to front them in front of you, and hopefully if you click, the first one will be climate change. This guy said, we should be doing stuff about this. And this is one of those things where we can make individual choices. There are things individuals can do. And I know there'll be parents here who will be going, oh, do I want my kids to go on a protest? Or do I want to myself? Or all sorts of things around that. But actually, this is, I'll recognize there's room for variety of opinion. <laughs> if this is... Uh, if the general field of science is right, this is a thing that confronts us and should be, we should be thinking, how do, we bring, how do we react as a community together? Next one, please. Isolation and loneliness. This is what this person posted, so they're not my words. And I looked at that and went, well, do you know, we do something about that. We've got together and we run a craft group and a move and groove and a movie night and a, a social club and a who let the dads out. And these are all responses to a society that too easily leaves people shut in their rooms alone. I feel really good about those. It's not enough, you know, but they're corporate responses. There might be other things there. Next, please. Thank you. 
domestic violence. I don't know how good we are as a community about this. Um, sometimes Christianity has been used to enforce a very patriarchal view, and in those settings, actually, it's not been good. Yep. I don't know. I would like to hope, I do hope, that in our church communities, we model something else. But for the record, if you are in a position where this is happening in your life and you feel vulnerable... Um, it's worth carefully raising a conversation with someone. Okay, I'll leave it as vague as that because actually you've got to be real careful in this kind of stuff. Next, please. Youth suicide. Now, this guy posted it about a month ago and I've actually kept coming back to it and thinking, well, what are we doing? And actually, I will flag and say, actually, 24-7 youth workers are part of our response to this. Youth groups are part of our response to this. These are places where we, as a body together, are trying to bring something to Jesus. Bring people to Jesus, I think. But those were just my early thoughts. What do you think? doesn't have to be something we've got solved. What kind of things might we, as a group, as instead of just me individually coming to Jesus, where should we be doing this? Any thoughts? Uh, the heartache call to prayer. Yep. Yep. What else? Yes. Let's say at this moment in time, we have end-of-life issues going their way through Parliament. Um, the abortion one has passed its first hearing, which means now is the time to make submissions. Okay. Now, I think less of a... I, I'm aware some churches have done this corporately. Um, my suggestion to us all is, I, in a democracy, you have a sway by multiple voices. The reason the Breathing Space Trust got going was it turned out that these councillors could not get over that one in three of the submissions were saying, we should do something about this. It wasn't saying back the Breathing Space Trust. It was saying, hey, homelessness is on their radar. And the councillors went, wow, the residents in Invercargill care about the homeless. And as good politicians, the wind blew that way, so they went with it. Well, that's how democracy functions. So, now is a really good time to write a short submission, that is to type something up and send it to government about um, end of life or abortion, because they are in the stage where submissions are really helpful. And volume is helpful. It would be better if everybody here wrote their own paragraph and sent it than if we wrote one thing collectively. Okay. What else? Uh, sidebar. Um, there are, of course, other responses to that. Abortion, uh, foster parents, organisations, that, that kind of stuff where you are... Because these things, they never... Christians have a habit of being very one-sided on it. What else? Tough, isn't it? I think I've got a couple of other things I, I put down. See, see, these things were things that this other person wrote, and I just find myself coming back there. I put racism in there. Why it's important we hear voices than other than the minority. They often have something to say. And actually, again, in Baptist roots, they always thought um, discerning 
God's will together, it's really important you hear from the other, the people on the fringes, because they will help you understand a whole picture. I've put end of life, um, I'd say we do live in an age where there is growing inequality, um, and I think that's got longer-term implications. And these things are bigger than us, aren't they? You look at these and you just think, what can I do? Well, actually, I think they're the cases where it's what, we can, what can we do? And I think it's partly about conversations together about how do we respond to this? That's how you bring, collectively bring things to Jesus. Does it make any sense? I kind of got there. I was struck by this because I... And, and I would like us to be the kind of community that has conversations about things where we don't have the answers because we're looking for them. In fact, there was a phrase used at this course I was at where they said, um, uh, they said, churches are supposed to be places where you are trying, you're having conversations about what would it look like if we were living this way? And we're supposed to be places where the way we are living makes people ask questions. Why are you living like that? True story, if you are giving money into church, tithing into the church, and you tell non-Christian friends that you are doing that, they will say, what do you do that for? It's, it's, because, you know, actually our, our money does reflect our values. So ask questions. Now, I am going to get in trouble here, so I'm just going to try one more time with my technology. which has This is the first time it's broken down. I'm going to hold on to that for a little bit. Um, come on. No, well, I'm going to lead us into communion. You can have a seat because I'm going to stand close Thank to this. You. Thank you very much, Blair. Didn't he do well? <laughs> I don't think that's a bad way to bridge into communion because it's about what kind of community are you together. And you may have different takes on this, but the good news is that... Um, we want to be a church, or I would like us to be a church, where actually there's room for a range of opinion. And actually those conversations together help us get a sense of we firmly believe this. Yep. Gathered around Jesus. So I'd like to lead us through, um, lead us through communion. And I, I, do have it, I have all these words written down which I did not print. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is to be made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come. If you have much faith and if you have little, if you have been here often and if you have not been for a long time, if you have tried to follow and if you have failed, come. Not because it's me that invites you, it is our Lord, and it's his will that those who want him should meet him here. If the ceiling is in the way, take it down. On the night which Jesus was portrayed, he sat at supper with his disciples, and while they were eating, he took a piece of bread, said a blessing, broke it, and gave it to them with the words, this is my body, it is for you. Do this to remember me. Later, 
he took a cup of wine, saying, This cup is God's new covenant sealed with my blood. Drink from it, all of you, to remember me. So following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and this wine, the ordinary things of the world which Christ will make special, and as he said a prayer before sharing, let us do so too. You could read this with me if you like. Lord God, as we come to share the richness of your table, we cannot forget the rawness of the earth. We cannot take bread and forget those who are hungry. Your world is one world, and we are stewards of its nourishment. Lord, put our prosperity at the service of the poor. We cannot take wine and forget those who are thirsty. The ground and the rootless, the earth and its weary people cry out for justice. Lord, put our fullness at the service of the empty. We cannot forget your words of peace and forget the world at war, or if not at war, then preparing for it. Show us quickly, Lord, how to turn weapons into welcome signs and the lust for power into a desire for peace. We cannot forget the feast of your family and forget our divisions. We are one in spirit, but not in fact. History and hurt still dismember us. Lord, heal our church in every brokenness. Amen. Among friends gathered around the table, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, This is my body, it's for you. He took a cup of wine. This is the new relationship with God made possible because of my death. Take this, all of you, to remember me. So here is your Lord coming to you in bread and wine. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. However, I may need some assistance. Could I have some people come and help distribute? Thank you. 